Welcome back, Literary Slummers, to a Material Monday episode of (laughs) Shelf Aware, the podcast where we normally read books outside of our comfort zones, but also we like to cover young adult middle grade series as well. I'm Anna. And I'm Em. Uh, This week, we are starting our mini long form unit. Uh, This was actually requested a while ago by listener Celine, Mm -hmm. um, and we talked about doing it in kind of like a unit situation, but... Animorphs just took so long. To Animorphs get took a really long time, and we wanted we didn't want to be doing two series at once, even though this is a much shorter series. So we're mm-hmm. using this as like a kind of bridge between Animorphs, which you know we all loved dearly, but is now over, mm-hmm. uh, and our next longer series that will be coming to you in a couple months. So long, long longer <laughs> it's, than Animorphs. It's, it's so, so long. long. <laughs> We're going to be covering it forever. Uh, I like. We're just going to keep dropping hints about it. And you're never yeah. going to know. Yeah, it's going to be great. Uh, but we're, we're right now, we're uh, covering the His Dark Materials series, which the first book is titled either Northern Lights if you're in Europe and pretty much everywhere else except for North America and The Golden Compass if you're in North America. Yes. By Philip Pullman. So mm-hmm. uh, I guess before we get into the book, since this is – you know, not our unit structured sort of deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, let's talk about we both have read this book before, correct? Yes. I've read the whole series, but I was like 11 mm. when I did. So I don't remember anything about it except for very broad ideas about mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Like I, I knew there was the compass in this one. Yes. <laughs> and I know in another book there's going to be a knife. And I knew there was like universal travel, uh, and I well like multi universal travel I guess mm-hmm. I should say and um also I knew the the reveal about the parents mm-hmm. um and that there was a bear that's all I remembered though <laughs> I mean that's basically <laughs> that covers it we can finish the that's episode like the now. whole book yeah anyway <laughs> come back next week <laughs> um yeah I read it a little later than that I was like I think fourteen or so when okay. I read it because I remember. It was my high school theater teacher who suggested it to me. Um, And I read the first book and I was like, this is cool. I like some of this. Um, I hated Lyra, though, like a lot. And I realize Mm. now it's probably because I was reading at 14 and she's like an 11 year old. And it's like that thing of you don't want to read about younger kids when you're a kid. It's boring. Um, So I found her really annoying when I first read this. And I read the first bit of the second book, and then I was like, oh, all of the characters that I actually like aren't in this book. I'm done. So I never finished the series. Gotcha. So yeah. The second book was hard to like, I don't know. It's it's a, it's a little bit of a letdown from this first one, but I think it's good. I'm very excited to read this now that I'm an adult. Good. Um, who, so you did like it. I do. I do think I ended up liking it. I still, okay, especially in the first half, was a little annoyed by Lyra. Yeah, that's the thing about Lyra, right? Is like everyone describes her as very lovable, very intelligent, but we only ever see like annoying as shit Lyra, mm-hmm. right? Like- <laughs> she gets a little better towards the end when she starts being like trickster goddess Lyra, where she yes. starts just like tricking people into doing what mm-hmm. she wants. She that's turns great. Into Lyra Silvertongue. Yeah, exactly. Like loved that. But the first half, I was kind of like, I couldn't really tell how old she was supposed to be. I was like is she five is she 15 don't know unclear pre-puberty is all we know for certain yes so I a little about that but I still really liked the other characters as they kind of got introduced um I liked the premise I thought it overall I liked it I think it was good 
Yeah, I agree. Um, I think definitely the supporting cast was very good in this book in particular. The Lyra problem gets fixed, like you said, towards the end of this book. Um, and then the other two books, like, you know, she's gone through this really traumatic thing that happens at the very end of this book, like mm-hmm. the big betrayal that is hinted at throughout the entire book. She goes through it and then becomes a different person um, for it. And um, yeah, this one, it's like, I feel like this is like a prequel book too. Mm-hmm. And it's the first book in a series. So yes, but like, I just, it, it, it just gives me those kinds of vibes because I'm very, I'm, I remember really enjoying the second and third book um, after getting over the fact that like, oh, this is like an entirely new thing now that yeah. feels less fantastical for reasons we'll get to in a couple weeks. Um, I just remember yeah. being very upset that Serafina Piccolo wasn't in the second book, like oh, at I least know, the part right? that I got to. And I was like, the witches are the coolest. Like. Yes, 100%. And <laughs> I'm definitely now looking back on it being like, Oh, I had a gay crush on Serafina Piccola, but I did not have the language to discuss that as a 14-year-old and didn't know why I was so mad that she wasn't in the second book. <laughs> uh, also, I don't know. I have not watched the movie with Nicole Kidman in it. I, I have, did. You did? Okay. Mm-hmm. So you're probably pronouncing the names correctly. I uh, probably am not. Sure. Let's pretend that that's let's true. Let's pretend that. I saw it when I was like, when it came out. So that was what, 2007. So it's been mm-hmm. a while. Gotcha. Yeah, that did come out a while ago, didn't it? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and then the the HBO series I have put off because when it came out, I I'd have I've had this box set. I got it on sale, all three books for a dollar at a library sale. Fantastic. Couldn't pass it up. And then love a good library sale. Yeah, and then HBO was like, "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna put the series on." And I was like, "Gotta reread it before I watch the series." That's mm. I, that's the kind of reader I am. <laughs> and guess what I didn't do? And guess what I haven't done watched yet? Um, so after we do this unit, I will be looking forward to watching that. I think I probably would want to watch the series after I finish the books too, because I originally really wanted to see the series and then I kind of just forgot about it. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, they didn't really, like, talk about it that Yeah, much. it seemed like it didn't really get that much promo it's aside ongoing. from, like, the initial push. Yeah. I did see, I've seen exactly one clip now from the series because, interestingly enough, since you mentioned pronunciation, I wanted mm-hmm. to make sure I was saying York's name right. So I went oh, okay. and watched a scene, the scene where he's, like, rampaging through the town. Um nice. And Lyra's, like, York. yelling, Yorick, Yorick, knock oh, it York. off. Yorick, yeah, like, okay. alas, poor Yorick. Okay, because I was definitely like in my head, I was like Iric and Iofer. Yes, yeah, it's a, it's a Y sound, I believe. Yorick. At least okay. that's what the HBO series from so that one Yofer scene. Yofer and Yorick, I guess, or Yofer. Yofer. Okay. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I. So for the notes, I could not remember Yorick's name for the life of me as I was typing up these notes because my whole thing was like, this book is so dense. I want to just get. I want to write down as much of the notes as I can mm-hmm. without referring to the text. Um, so that like it is as like cohesive. I don't want to say brief, but yeah, like like uh, yeah, without getting too into the nitty gritty and lost in the mm-hmm. details. And I could not remember the bear's name, so I just I'm like, well, Lyra's bear. <laughs> I mean, basically. <laughs> I'm glad you said it here at the beginning. <laughs> now you know, and I can cut all of this, and you can pretend like you always knew. Oh, wonderful! I am such a genius, you guys. <laughs> um, yeah. Also, I um hadn't really I knew there was a lot of controversy surrounding this book it has yeah. been like a banned book a banned series mm-hmm. um 
And I know religious people were particularly upset about this one. And I completely forgot why until that very like last two chapters. And I was like, oh, Oh. I see. (laughs) I also remember like a lot of controversy around this. Um, I don't know if I've mentioned before on the show, but I grew up Catholic. Um, Mm -hmm. So I remember kind of only a little bit. Yeah. So like I remember this being a like book that was talked about, not like in my family, like because my family didn't give a shit, but like uh, uh, Sunday school, like I remember, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. other kids talking about not reading this, basically because it was anti-Catholic specifically. Um, yes, Hardcore. which you know, I mean, <laughs> we're recording this basically as the Catholic Church is having a meltdown over the fact that they accidentally baptized everybody wrong, and now there's a bunch of non-baptized Catholic people <laughs> running around. Amazing. Have you been following this? No, I had not heard about this. Sorry, I don't follow the Pope like you do on Twitter. I don't know what all the Pope decries. You gotta keep an eye on this. <laughs> keep an eye on your enemies. Um, <laughs> but there's this whole situation right now where basically, like, this one priest has been baptizing people with the phrase, uh, we baptize you instead of I baptize you. And he, like, the Vatican, I don't know if someone tattled on him or what, but somehow the Vatican found out, and we're like, no, 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 you can't do that, because we baptize you makes it seem like this is a thing that the community is doing, right? And I baptize you means that you're calling on your power as, like, a conduit to God, so it's God baptizing you, right? So anybody who uses we baptize you, you're not actually baptized, and you're not actually Catholic, right? Oh my god, it's all just vibes, what are you guys doing? It's all just vibes, but so then a bunch of other priests were like, oopsie, so that guy, like, got all of his baptisms were just like canceled and I think he might have been kicked out as a priest I'm not sure don't quote me on that but then a bunch of other priests were like um problem we've also been doing the same thing and then this priest went and looked at like a video of his own baptism and that priest got baptized with we baptized so now it's like there's like a chain reaction so he can't exactly he can't be a priest because so any baptism any baptisms he did are also invalid so like the catholic church is imploding and i'm like y'all were so y'all get so worked up about fucking golden compass bullshit and you're over here now having like your entire thousands of years old institution in order falling apart because some dude has been using we instead of i amazing anyway that's uh catholic watch what like you bring me such good news today i my whole my whole (laughs) like timeline has been like avocados banned where all millennials can now afford houses like that's been uh, yeah stupid joke housing crisis awful um (laughs) But also, I will miss the the affordability of avocados because I'm sure the price will not go down after they're unbanned. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> anyway, anyway. I feel like we'll probably have more to say about the atheism of this series as we get further into really it. I really thought you were going to say avocados. <laughs> I do like, feel why? like we will have why? more to say about avocados. I might be misremembering this, but the subtle knife is about a knife for cutting up avocados, Yes. Yes, but subtly, so that it doesn't brown. Ah, I see. When you yeah, leave it open. see, I only read half of the book, so I never yeah, understood the purpose of the subtle yeah. knife. Mm. <laughs> um. Okay. So yeah, like I said, my notes of this are very broad. Please don't get offended if I like skip over what could be important details later on in the series. I will just have to backtrack in future episodes. Um. So look forward to that, Futuriana. We of course need to leave time for me to que- to ask the important questions, which I will be asking. 
Excellent. Perfect. I can't wait to hear what the important questions are. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Smash or pass? (laughs) Seraphina Pacala. Smash. Smash. Lord Asriel? Smash. Smash. Yorick. Smash. Smash. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. It's the whole like Robin Hood effect. Uh, John Fa. Mm, You know what? He might be a little bit old, but. Smash. Smash. Yeah. He's a king. Mm. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Smash. Yeah. Um, um Mrs. Mrs. Coulter. Pass. Pass. Mm. It's gotta be a She's pass. She's very for me. creepy. She's is that and that little monkey would watch and you know it. Absolutely would try to join in. <laughs> Absolutely. Not okay. <laughs> uh okay. Um <laughs> Lyra's a young girl. She lives at Jordan College. Here's the thing about this world. Everyone has what's called a demon. And this brings us to my first important question. Yes. And really, the only important question, one that I was preoccupied with while reading the entire book, so Uh much so that I kind of wasn't paying attention to other things. Okay, great. So, (laughs) as I'm sure you were about to explain before I rudely interrupted you. No, you explain it. Take, Take this away from me, this responsibility. Sure. So demons or daemons, I still don't know. The audiobook I listened to for one chapter said demons. Okay, we're going to stick with demons then. Yeah. Um, so demons are like little animals that are your soul and they live outside your body. And when you're a kid, they can change form into different animals. But then once you're grown up and you go through puberty, they turn into one animal and you just are that animal is your demon for the rest of mm-hmm. your life. Okay. And you can like read each other's minds and share memories and images and stuff. Yes. Of what you see, yada, yada, yada. And you can't touch another person's demon, but demons can touch each other. Yeah. Okay, so these are the rules of demons, right? And you feel their pain. Okay, that's it. There is one other important rule of demon that we are introduced to very early on in the book, and it boggles my mind because the implications either way are insane. Uh, Very early on in the book, one of the servants shows up, and they're like, the servant who had a demon who was a dog, uh, as all servants had. So, like, all servants have dog demons. Predetermination. Yes, this is my question. Exactly. Absolutely. So here's my question, right? (laughs) Is this a situation where people who are like servant e and like they they would be good at being a servant because that takes certain skills and abilities? Yes. They grow up and they get the dog demon and they're like, oh, great. I'm going to go be a servant. Perfect. Great. Mm-hmm. Love it. Or is it like you get a dog demon and everyone around you is like, oops, looks like you got to go be a servant now. You're a servant now. Like, can yes. you imagine someone that is a good question. from like a highborn family and they're like, they grow up and then they get a dog demon. Everyone's like, oh, sucks to be you. Guess you got to go live in the scullery. Like, how does that work? How does that work? Yeah. And also there are, it also briefly mentioned like, hierarchy of the dog demons as Mm -hmm. well and that determines like how good of a servant you are or how high up in the servant hierarchy as well so i yeah i don't know if if people are going into service before their demons fully uh stabilize maybe maybe i can buy that they all then become demons yeah because we know roger the kitchen boy yeah is young enough that his demon is still fluctuating Mm-hmm. So, like, yeah, maybe that's it. Like, you just have to. But in that case, you have to, like, pick your career path at, like, a 10 or 11. Which, which is I guess, even wilder than what we already do. That's right, not good. <laughs> right. I mean, I guess it's a little more because this is kind of a 1800s-y vibe of social stratification. Yeah. I guess I could maybe believe that, you know, that, okay, if you're a certain social class, you're probably going to be a servant of some sort, right? Yeah. 
but then like you have that instance of that one guy like somebody tells a story about a guy whose demon yes whose demon is a dolphin and so he could never go ashore right and he hated it like it seems like the demon had because the demon enjoyed being a dolphin in that story right and they're like i just love being a dolphin i want to be a dolphin forever Mm -hmm. the demon has some choices so the demons yeah so in that case, is everybody's demons just like, fuck you. You suck. You deserve to be a maid. Like, yeah. Like, what is this? Yeah, That's such a weird. That same sailor does say that, like, people who don't accept their demons nature as mm-hmm. their own nature are going to be unhappy for their entire lives. So you yeah. have to just like, my demon is a seagull, which means I'm like kind of scrappy, but I'll always survive and blah, 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 blah. I accept that about myself. Which, like, I can get on board with all of the stuff that's like a personality trait because it's like your yes. soul or whatever but it's so weird that there's this one specific all species job correlation here like well we did see later on in the book a nurse has a little dog demon but that's that's a situation that is uh tampered with by other experiments going on so like, i also to say. wonder if a nurse qualifies as a servant also yes i mean like i know like in our world they don't i'm not saying nurses no, are no, no. yeah yeah like I'm not trying to equate that but like this old timey sort of yeah that's sort of like social stratification of just like everybody of this social class is a servant you know yeah maybe that's it I don't know in which case it's just like customer service people yeah yeah which is how this nurse was being treated not that nurses are only customer service please we respect nurses (laughs) (laughs) that also though seems really fucked up to be like hey my human companion who is who I am the soul of um I'm gonna. I'm just gonna be a dog because I feel like. Yeah, I like this. I like, I to like this. Butts. I love. I want you to have a tail. horrible life. <laughs> like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, that is. Yeah, I wonder if, like, a noble family had a child whose whose demon turned into a dog after puberty. If they mm-hmm. like hit it, they're like, let's put clothes on this demon. Yes. It's like one of those. One of those. It's like a fox. Ext- what are you talking about? It's a fox. It's like one of those extreme dog hair competitions where they make the dog look like a panda. Yes. Like it's a very small panda. What's the problem? I don't. Un- I don't understand what the problem is. Also, like this is not a world that has the internet or like any sort of like television or anything. Like they could just say, "No, this is a beaver," fully. <laughs> What are you talking but about? But then, but then that uh, person meets someone else who also has it. Like, let's say that it's a Dalmatian or whatever. Yeah. And the family's like, no, that's a beaver. Um, and then they meet someone else who also has a Dalmatian, but <laughs> they they're a servant. Only Dalmatian <laughs> servants. And they're like, oh no, that servant also has a rare beaver. They shouldn't be a servant. That's so weird. <laughs> that's Elevate so weird. Them. Elevate them. And then they fall in love. Beautiful. It's a beautiful story. Anyway, this is what I was focusing on for the entire book. So Yeah, it's an excellent question. Uh, from here on out, I'm going to be pretty unhelpful. <laughs> uh, so Lyra, growing up uh, at Jordan College, because both her parents, she's told both her parents have died in some kind of accident. She grows up a little bit wild. She doesn't have a ton of structure to her day. The scholars at the college are all supposed to like be teaching her, but she doesn't like to learn Um and so she's usually outside all day playing with the other kids, like the the children of the serving staff or like town kids and stuff. And they just run around throwing rocks at each other and shit. Perfect. Yeah. Love just it. creating havoc. <laughs> um, 
And one day she decides she's going to spy on a meeting between her uncle and the scholars of Jordan College because her uncle, Azriel, Lord Azriel, needs money to go north and do some research near the Aurora on something he calls dust, which is going to be a very important component of this book later on. Mm-hmm. Um, before this meeting, Lyra has seen the master of the college uh, to, like poison a bottle of wine that he's going to serve to Lord Azriel, and she tells him, Lord Azriel, that and... Uh, she could get in really big trouble because she's not supposed to be here in this room at all. Like, no it's girls a allowed. Boys situation. only club. Yeah. Get but out, uh, boys. She- this brought up another interesting point about demons that I didn't care quite as much about the dog thing. But they say, like, demons have, are like cross sex, right? So, like, if yeah. you're male, mm-hmm. your demon is female. Yes. Except there is one in, that she brings up that, like, there's it's very a, rare. a guy mentioned and she knows him because he's one of the few people with um, demon a demon who's the same sex as him. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, mm-hmm. how does this work? I know that this was written in 95, so, like, this probably wasn't a hot topic issue. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I guess that could explain, like, trans individuals, right? Yes, yeah. That that fix, fits for them. But, like, how does it work for the non-binary? Good question. Something to ponder. Something to ponder. We'll have to write to Philip Pullman. <laughs> um, he does have like a newer series that has been yeah. released in the past few years. So maybe, <laughs> probably not, but maybe there's some exploration there. I don't know. Uh, so we kind of get like, Lyra gets this vague impression. Like her uncle is a fearsome man, powerful man, but not someone really to mess with. And he doesn't seem like super lovingly attached to her at all. Um so anyway, um, the next big news item is that these individuals call, that everyone refers to as the gobblers come to town. Um, and basically what everyone knows about the gobblers is that they are enticing children to come with them because they've got free candy and then they're kidnapping those kids and they're never heard from again. Um, but the kids all go willingly. So um, they come to Oxford where Lyra is and roger her friend and the kitchen staff goes missing as well as a boy named i think bobby or billy i think bobby costas i think it's billy billy costas i i used both of them in my notes i see now so I it's one of the believe it's billy let me double check it probably is again like i said i did not want to go back into my book to you get know that's fair uh influence to be like oh and then this like tiny minute detail that i um, thought was really interesting yeah it's billy Okay, yes. So Billy Costas, um, they go missing. And Lyra attempts to search for them, but she is caught by her minders and is made to go to dinner because someone very important has come to the college. Mrs. Coulter, who we know as readers to be the to be um, involved in this gobbler scheme of kidnapping children. Of gobbling. Of gobbling children. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, so she's the lead goblin and the thing about Mrs. Coulter is she is I don't know if this is like a magical influence or just her own personal charisma but pretty much every child who meets her and some adults they just become enamored with her they love everything about her she's so nice she's so sweet she's so smart so fashionable so hot whatever um, Lyra is not an exception. She she meets Mrs. Coulter and immediately wants to live with her forever, which is good because Mrs. Coulter offers to take Lyra on as an assistant and come live with her forever. Um, so she does that. But before she leaves Jordan College for good, the master pulls her aside in a secret meeting between the two of them, and he gives her this 
compass and he says keep it don't tell anyone you have this keep it safe there's not anybody you can trust out there but I know that you need this and also this thing about your uncle but then they're interrupted so she doesn't find out about the uncle thing so she kind of gets it in her mind I have to take this compass to my uncle that's probably what the master was going to tell me can we also briefly touch on the fact that Lyra was given basically one instruction in regards to this golden compass mm-hmm. and pretty much breaks it constantly. Tells everybody. <laughs> he's like, Except he's like, don't. the one person who doesn't need to know, which is good. <laughs> he's like, don't tell anyone. And she's like, got it. Tell everyone. <laughs> tell everyone that has a nice face. Um, yeah. So and, and by this time in the book, too, like we the readers know from from behind the scenes stuff that there's something about Lyra that is very special. She has she has to go on some sort of journey, but she cannot be told anything about that journey, cannot be guided by any one adult or else it'll be all fucked up and the world will end. She has to make some mistakes and she's going to do a big betrayal of somebody. Um, Every adult in Lyra's life knows this about Lyra, which was the thing that I was like, really, though? (laughs) I also was just not a fan of this whole thing because it is very like the chosen one and i kind of hate chosen one narratives a little bit Mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. not you know sometimes they can be good but like in general i'm like i don't like stories which i get because we i'm jumping ahead a little bit but eventually seraphina piccolo throws some more light on this um and is like basically her destiny is to end destiny right yes and it's like okay that's cool. Like, that's cool, I guess. But I don't like the whole, oh, this child is destined to do this thing. And that's why they're going to get away with all of this stuff. Right. Because it's like, it makes it less impressive. I feel like if it's just like, of course, she gets away with it because she has to get away. Like, she has to be good in this way because she has to be good in this way versus just like Mm -hmm. a kid who is precocious and good at lying and all of that sort of stuff. Like, that is more impressive to me than uh, you know, children lying is more impressive to me when it's not predestined, obviously. I <laughs> Sometimes think... I start a sentence on this podcast and I'm delighted by where it ends up. <laughs> it's always a surprise. <laughs> I also think it's like a handy way for all of the adults mm-hmm. in this narrative to be like, well, not my problem. Like I yeah. fed her and I kept her safe, but like, I'm not going to help her. Like that would be that would be beyond that would be stepping across the line that I cannot like you know so it's just kind of like I get it it's a young adult novel and and the main character is going to be the young adult but or not even a young adult this is like a preteen um yeah it's just I don't know know. Mm. it's like an easy way to get around having adults take over the narrative I guess yeah and I feel like thematically not that I really know because I haven't finished the series but again I know you know, the atheism of it all. Like, I'm like, I get where it's probably going with this, mm-hmm. but it's still a little, eh, you know. Yeah. Is she going to have a Jesus moment? No, I don't think so. Okay. I think more of like an Antichrist moment. Oh, yeah. I Ooh. think. Would be my theory, my assumption, be right? Because if it's like atheist, like, I feel like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's, I don't know. She's, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Well, we, we can talk more about that at the ending when yeah. it all is revealed to our listeners who have not read this. So she has this golden golden compass. Ooh. It's actually called an alethiometer. And another thing that Lyra is told is that the alethiometer, well, it, that is what it's called, right? I'm not being an idiot. I thought it was pronounced alethiometer, but it could be alethiometer. Oh, 
have a something meter. Truth, it's the truth measurer. See, I was going ometer like thermometer, alethiometer, but and I was saying it like a child would. I'm not. I don't know which one's right. (laughs) Alethiometer. Alethiometer. Alethermometer. The compass will always tell her the truth. And it's basically, it's a compass that has four hands. Three of them you can adjust to point to different symbols, which have meaning based on, like, whatever meaning you want to ascribe to it, essentially. Like, there's an official book for this stuff, but Lyra's special. Lyra just knows what each symbol means. Um, And and so you click around the three hands, one to point at each symbol to ask a question. And, and you empty your mind. And the fourth needle will spin around and point at the different symbols. And the and then you have to discern what the meaning of the of that is. And Lyra's very good at this. Um, she's, she's special because she's a child, I think is like adults can't use this or something. I don't know. Um, this should be an object that exists like a magic eight ball. How much fun would this be to play with? Like, like any sort of fortune telling device, even if it doesn't actually work, it's fun to it's it's mess, yeah. you know like it's fun to pretend it does even if it doesn't you know like like horoscopes it's yeah. fun to know what you are to group exactly. yourself with others we're only human <laughs> i feel like i'm gonna have to cut this so i don't get the horoscope girl he's mad at us <laughs> <laughs> no <laughs> you would like you would be sitting sitting at a sleepover with one of these golden compasses exactly like, who is my soulmate and it would be like anchor shoe um I don't know, dog. And you'd be like, oh, no, it's going to be a sailor servant. I don't know. <laughs> I feel like what it would be would be more like you would set it on, who has a crush on me? And then yeah. you would just be like, oh, it's Jason, because you would interpret it. However, yes. you know, baseball, like, um, math, the numbers, it's, oh, he's in math class with you. Exactly. Like, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, or you could just, you could just, which kind of was frustrating to me in this book too where she's like it's like she's so good at reading this I'm like I guess I mean like she is because that's what the narrative tells us she like goes into a trance like state because of it yeah but also she could just especially the first few times because they're like backwards reading it basically Uh uh-huh they could just ascribe meaning confirmation right exactly to things that but I mean, it's not. It is magic or whatever, I guess, or her being really good at it because the narrative tells us this. But like yeah, the first yeah, few yeah. times, I was just like, is she actually doing anything or is she just kind of like, oh, well, you know, this thing did attack us. So that's the sword, you know, like, yeah. OK, <laughs> OK, but, it, it, you know, it works out yeah. eventually. Uh, so Lyra lives with Mrs. Coulter, and she she does love this life because she's learning a lot from Mrs. Coulter, especially in the art of womanhood. You know, like she's learning how to be a proper young lady in society. Because the thing about Lyra is that she is noble born, but doesn't act it because she was never raised to be that way. She lived with a bunch of nerds in a, in a college, <laughs> in a university, and, and they never really taught her how to how to hold hold herself to anything except for like her intelligence, right? Um. So she goes to live with Mrs. Coulter, who suddenly is teaching her how to dress, how to speak politely and, like, make small talk and how to plan parties and, you know, all of these things. But um, and she's very pampered. And and this is her first taste of, like, this, like, I don't know, very, like, luxurious, soft, feminine world. 
um, she feels very stifled by it. And, and her demon even says to her, like, what, you're just like a, you're, you're a pet. She's treating you like a pet. Like, what are we doing here? Um, so it all kind of comes to a head when Mrs. Coulter is planning this party at her home. This party of convenient exposition. At, yes. Pretty much everyone here is just, everyone into this bar, invited to this party is here just to blab to Lyra about the plot. This was another thing that I was a little bit like, okay, with this whole book where just mm-hmm. a lot of it is just people telling Lyra exactly what's happening without yeah. really any She's reason. Why are we getting into this with her? Seems like a weird choice. <laughs> it's because she can use the golden compass, I guess. I don't know. Um, Mrs. Coulter's having this party, and um, Lyra has taken to carrying her golden compass around in this little white purse that um, so that you know Mrs. Coulter or her demon can't snoop around and find it. Um, and she's she's gonna wear it in the house at for this party and mrs coulter like flips her shit she's like you cannot wear a fucking purse inside my house at my party what will people think um and lyra's like "Ooh, mrs coulter kind of has a dark side because she gets all she gets all nasty about it so she's like okay this is weird don't know how i feel about this anymore and then at the party that mrs coulter is hosting because everyone is so willing to talk to lyra we learn several things we learn one Lord Azrael is being imprisoned in a place called Svalbard, which is an actual, like, the the geography is so similar yet slightly different. Svalbard's real place um, also has an equivalent here in, in, in Lyra's world. Um, he's being imprisoned there, guarded by Panzerbjorn, which we learn are armored bears. And so Lyra's like, gotta go save my uncle. <laughs> good save, good save. No one will um, ever know. No one will ever know. And then we also learn a little bit more about dust, which is essentially like, it's just like this, it's it's a particle, it's smaller than atoms, and I don't, I don't fucking know. It's some magical dust shit that settles on people and can be used in magical ways, I guess. I'm a little bit unclear about what dust is without like explaining the, the even ending, the ending yeah. of it i was like oh, oh okay whatever anyway um she learns about dust she also learns that mrs coulter is the head of the gobblers and she's training lyra to also kidnap kids and shit lyra and her demon are like fuck this we're getting out of here they run away from the party and mrs coulter which leads uh, starts a nationwide manhunt for this girl um so she, Lyra runs away that night. She's kind of wandering around London. She's, she's not familiar with London. She grew up in Oxford, doesn't know where she's going. She ends up being almost kidnapped or captured by these trafficker type people. Um, but she's saved by Billy Costas's parents who happen to be there. Now, I think we should probably, okay. Discuss. Yes. Discuss. Yes. Because the name given to this group of people mm-hmm. is Egyptian. Which... Which doesn't, it sounds reminiscent. Of, yeah, I think here's. And is there are elements of a nomadic lifestyle here. Like So I believe these are supposed to be not Egyptian. Yes. But travelers. Yes. Because the slur term that is often used for travelers, um, it, uh, I believe that's the root of it, right? Is yes. that people erroneously mm-hmm. thought they were Egyptian. But, yeah, it is weird. Um, We're not given an, like, it's not clear whether 
this is like an ethnic term that they're like Mm -hmm. they're using it as an ethnic term or if they're using it as just like this is what we call ourselves as a people of traveling folk from all over like we come from different places we all just chose this nomadic living on boats lifestyle and there's actually quite a bit of this not just with this group but like other ethnic groups or Mm -hmm. um national groups and stuff like that have names that are like kind of reminiscent to names that exist in our world but aren't quite exactly the same yeah um so i don't I think it's fine. Like, I think it's yeah, fine. There's not an alternative for it. And yeah. from what I've been told, they, they use this term in the newest iteration of His Dark Materials, the show. Yeah. So presumably that got by some sort of uh, uh, sensitivity readers. Maybe One not, would hope, know. but, you know, maybe not. I think it's maybe not what I would have gone with. Yes. But... But we don't have an alternative, unfortunately. Yeah. It is a made-up fantasy. Thing, yeah, I think but... I I think it's supposed to be drawing parallels without being the same term. Yeah, I yeah. don't know. And I mean, they do use it to describe themselves in the book, so mm-hmm. I think it's okay. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's just real close. <laughs> it's just real close. Like, so, um, just know that's what we're saying. Um, she runs into. Uh, Billy Costas's family and they recognize Lyra because these this these groups this family has been traveling to Oxford to um every year and are actually keeping tabs on Lyra though she doesn't know it at this point but that's what that's what kind of what they were sent up there to do and as all adults are they fucking love Lyra for whatever reason even though she stole their boat one time and tried to sink it no like, um, oh, how funny yeah like that's a funny story that all all the Egyptians tell each other about like <laughs> The stupid Costas family got their boat stealing by, stolen by a kid. <laughs> so like, um, they take her in. They smug and they're gonna smuggle her to the this meeting that the Egyptian king is holding. His name is John Fa. Essentially, this is like, again, like she meets she meets this king and he's immediately like, "I love you as a as a daughter. I will keep you close and protect you. And also, like, you're in my inner circle now. Like, she's privy to so many details yes. about like." everyone's like this kid which maybe it is something mystical going on here if because of the mrs coulter connection which we'll talk more about in just a second Uh like maybe it's a trait that lyra also has because of that connection i don't know yeah yeah that would make sense um or maybe it's just destiny i don't know yeah she's got a 20 in charisma yeah um so the egyptians decide that they're going to send an expedition up north to save the children from whatever is going on there because because of their nomadic lifestyle they have been targeted heavily or their children have been targeted heavily as being kidnapped and so they've known about this for a lot longer like the general public has not yet acknowledged that all these kids are missing but the the egyptian community has been like okay our kids are fucking disappearing we need to do something about this so um lyra lyra gets to go basically she gets to go on this expedition even though at first they told her no because she starts to really figure out how the golden compass thingy works here while she's with them. Um, she is introduced to, I think, Farter, like Father. It's like a, it's like Farter Corum, I guess. Yeah, it's got a D in it, Father. Yeah, but I think it's it's supposed to be like kind of like Father, like he's he's yeah. not, yeah. 
Um, but everyone says it, even even those who are. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> I mean, I took a took it kind of. Well, no, I guess it might just be his name. His name might just be Farter. His name might just be Farter. Yeah, because <laughs> they do have farter. like a couple people. They own Farter. It's not Farter. Farter Corum. It was like an Irish sort of. Yeah, like, I feel like it's tricking me into doing a very bad accent. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah. Don't know. Yeah. There's a lot, several like adults in this book are referred to as their first and last name. Like that's just like Seraphina Pakala and yeah. Fodder Quorum. I don't know. Um, he's like this very learned man who he he knows a lot about dust. He knows a lot about the he knows a lot about the things that are convenient for him to know about because mm-hmm, someone mm-hmm. needs to tell Lyra what's going on essentially. Um, and she is kind of like taken in by him and he watches over her and she like pals around with him and does stuff with him i guess and they get on really well and this is also before they leave is when john fa tells her the big yes backstory dump for lyra yes so lyra um has actually known the costas family for her entire life essentially because ma costas was was her wet nurse the the story surrounding lyra's birth is that her mother was married but not to her dad he didn't care they got pregnant together um and her father ended up killing her mother's husband and then had all of his like money and everything stripped from him though he kept his title um and he didn't really seem it didn't really seem to bother him but like neither the mother or the father wanted to raise lyra we find out okay dad is actually her uncle lord Azriel, and her mom is Ugh, Mrs. Coulter. Wow, it's so such a huge twist. The one adult female character we've met in this book is her mom. <laughs> who, who feels wow. so possessive over Lyra. Wow. For Aside reason. from Ma Costa, who is just kind of there. Like Yeah, who would be a good mother figure if she was given any dialogue in this Yeah. Book. <laughs> yeah. I also really enjoyed I mean, I I kept going back and forth on this on like how does how does Philip Pullman do with his representation of women, right? Because mm-hmm. I was mm-hmm. like, some of this is a little. Eh. Some of the women are great. Like I, you know, I think Serafina now I'm Pacala Serafina Pacala. Um, Lyra's cool. Like I think Lyra's a well fleshed out character. Um, yeah. But there's also like none of the important characters except Mrs. Coulter are women. Uh huh. And there's even this moment in this part where. Uh, they're talking about like okay who are we going to take with us and like everybody's pledging a number of men and whatever and at some point one of the Egyptian women stands up and is like hey are you taking any women with you you might need women to take care of the kids and also like you might need women to help sneak into wherever they've got these kids because you guys are going to be really obvious and they decide against that and they're like no we're just going to take Lyra because she's super special yeah and it's it's like okay number one it annoys me anytime we create a fantasy world and we're making all of these differences mm-hmm. and like, oh, there's talking polar bears with hands and opposable oh, thumbs. And oh, there's Terrible. dust that settles on people and everybody's got a, a Pokemon that they keep with them at all times. <laughs> but the sexism is the same. Yeah, and absolutely. Mm-hmm. It's it's frustrating because it's like, why was that the thing that stayed the same? And it's not just in this instance, like, it's very clearly still a patriarchal society. We have the instance where she's at dinner with Mrs. Coulter, and there's, like, two other women scholars there, and Lyra's like, Mrs. Coulter didn't look like a woman scholar, because women scholars are gross and disgusting, and I hate they're them. So and they're frumpy so frumpy and pathetic. And then there's also, yeah. when they're talking about uh, Lyra's origin story, and they're like, her... Her origin story. Yes, her origin story. <laughs> um, when 
Mrs. Mr. Coulter went to go challenge Lord Azrael, and he's it's like, well, Lord Azrael was in his rights to protect his child, but an invader in his home, yeah. But this other dude was in his rights to because uh, like his wife had been he violated. Was I, yeah, I think they actually like they say like his wife had been violated or something like that. Yeah, and it's like, well, yeah. no, it was a consensual affair. But apparently, that is like the legal law is that like you can go attack your your wife's uh, boyfriend, you know. So it, it again is putting like it's very clear that there are patriarchal standards here, you know. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. why are we very doing strong. that? There's also like when they get to the polar bears, the polar bears are like, there's, are there any women polar bears? I don't there know. are because <laughs> there's a scene where she's like looking at the assembled polar bears i'm saying polar bears are not technically polar bears i don't think like i've always pictured them as polar bears but they're yeah, just armored they bears the, on the cover. yeah yeah but there's the scene where she's looking at the bears getting ready for the big fight we'll talk about that and um she's like and she noticed yofer's wives and oh. she didn't try to talk to them because she knew that yofer would be mad about it but she was like curious about what lady polar bears were like and it's like okay okay so you couldn't give us like one little tidbit yeah and you chose to like make this a society that is ruled by a king who has multiple wives which you know polygamy isn't inherently a problem but when you have it stacked with all of this other stuff it's like what is what is the vibe what is the it it feels very like oopsie oopsie sexism of like i just didn't like, think about just, like, I just, yeah i didn't have to think about it so i did not like of course i'm not sexist my protagonist is a girl and it's like yeah yeah, but yeah. Who, else, who else is there yeah and it's like but you're still in this crazy wild fantasy world everything is really sexist still everything i don't know the same yeah it's yeah. it's a choice for sure yeah <sighs> <laughs> Anyway, they they travel north. There's other stuff that happens here, but whatever. They travel north, and they're having to smuggle. I wrote snuggle. Oh, my God. They're having to smuggle Lyra the whole way. My notes say snuggle. That's so gross. I mean, not necessarily. You know, it could be a nice yeah, I guess. It could fatherly be snuggle between but Lyra. And you and 128 men snuggling you the whole way. No. <sighs> they smuggle her the whole way because like i said the whole country is looking for her and it's not just like the police it's there's like fantastical elements here where like um mrs coulter is sending these like little demon contraptions after lyra that can like they're really small and awful and dangerous and there's like cliff ghasts and the witches some of them are on mrs coulter's side so it's like a whole bunch of stuff looking for lyra uh, but they make it eventually to like fantasy Iceland, I guess. And <laughs> <laughs> Fodder Coram has some connections. Fantasy Iceland, where all <laughs> your bears come true. <laughs> Stole oh. a kid from you. <laughs> uh, we got armored bears. <laughs> uh, Father Coram has some connections with the witches because he and one of the witch queens had like a little love affair and he mm. saved her life, she saved his, whatever. But he's too old and she's ageless, so it would like never work out, lol. Um, so they go to like this liaison person for the witches and they have a little conversation with him like, hey, what's the sitch? What, what's going on with these gobblers? How are things here? 
Um, we get a little bit more information about the prophecy behind Lyra. Obviously, while well, she is not in the room because she can't know a fucking thing. Like I said, every adult knows. So, like, this liaison and fodder corn are like, so, Lyra and the prophecy, huh? <laughs> <laughs> like, yes. Okay, everyone fucking knows. Whatever. Um, and basically just reiterating, like, can't tell her anything. She's got to do it on her own. But she's if she doesn't succeed, the world will end, blah, blah, blah. It's also interesting because, yeah, it seems like like, I think this guy knows from the witches, and the uh-huh. witches know about it. But All then, like, the witches know about Lyra. All the witches. It's hot goss. But then, like, so it could have been the witches had a prophecy and told this guy, right? Yeah. But, like, also the dudes back at the college know. So, like, where was this prophecy where? from? How Who? many people know about it, and how did they get their information? Who is the prime Who source? prophesied this? What? I need more details on this. <laughs> It's like in all the newspapers, Lyra just doesn't read. Extra, extra, read all about it. Prophesied scamp. <laughs> Prophecy girl was seen throwing rocks at the at the bricklayers kids today. <laughs> no one tell her. I'm just picturing the bricklayers going to the college and being like, "Oi, your kid threw a brick at my kid," and they're like, "Well, you know what." It's her destiny. She's the fucking chosen one. What and are you, you can't tell her not to because what if that's part of it? This really actually explains a lot about Lyra's whole deal. Yeah. No they're all too afraid to give her any guidance whatsoever. She's a feral no. child. She's just absolutely feral. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, yeah. We also we haven't really talked too much about like how her lying is so... Um, like, it just comes so naturally to her. Like, it does mm-hmm. feel supernatural, and I, it probably will be later on, because she just, like, she just, like, slips into this. She she says it's, like, similar to the way that she reads the Golden Compass. It's, like, the she just slips into this mode, and the lying just becomes easy, and she's, like, a pro liar. But then so. also she knows when to tell the truth, because yes. when this dude that they're trying to t- contact the witches with is, like what up what's going on what's good they show him the alethiometer and he's like oh dope 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 can you read it and fodder quorum's like nope nope can't read it and lyra's like but something in her knew that she should tell him the truth and he she's like yes i absolutely can. absolutely actually yeah i can i am a, a fucking liar <laughs> listen to me i always tell the truth except when it's except inconvenient for, when for me really to tell the truth lying. yeah so <laughs> And they're all like, oh, precocious scamp. We love you. So maybe it's just destiny, again, pushing her to know the correct things to say. Because, like, she's, like, 11. Yeah. But I'm 11. But I'm 11? um we also learn from this liaison dude that there is a panzer bjorn in town again the armored bear in town that hasn't been employed by the gobblers to go to guard lord azrael as the rest of them have he is actually being held as an indentured servant by the people in town because the whole thing the whole thing with with yorick that we find out is he was he's a prince He's supposed to be king of the bears, but there was a little accident, and he accidentally killed a guy. Did and a little whoopsie. A big, yeah, a little whoopsie. Murder's very bad, even in bear culture. So he got oh, exiled. and the murder was over a female bear. They oh, say that, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there are female bears. There are female bears. I, I hope I hope York finds love again, then. Love he would kill over. Um, he he killed the dude, but it was like, it's clearly a setup. Like, he was... He was Yofer was working with outside forces to oust Yorick, whatever. We find out more later. Um, and 
he came to this town and got sloppy drunk and they stole his armor <laughs> from him while he was drunk so the you armor, know who hasn't a night had a night who, out like that i mean yeah <laughs> uh the armor for for panzerbjorns is like is 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 like their soul like yorick says you have a demon i've got this armor samesies um so without his armor he can't really do shit um and so he's stuck here making things out of metal because the other thing about the panzerbjorns is they have opposable thumbs and are very good metal workers so i don't believe this I don't believe this. This You don't believe they're good at manipulating metals. This was the point that my suspension of disbelief snapped because Mm. they're like, oh, they have opposable thumbs. First off, they don't say it's just like pause with opposable thumbs the first few times. The first few times they fully say hands. So I was just picturing a bear with human hands. Human hands. The fur stops right at the wrist and then it's human digits. It's, It's hideous. Well, but that's the thing, though. If you have a bear, their paws, like the the part that would be fingers... Uh-huh. are not I think maybe they have a sixth well but what I'm saying is that even the rest of them aren't long enough that you could grab oh, and manipulate true. things that is true even if you have an opposable thumb as a bear first off there's no reason for a bear to evolve opposable thumbs that it simply doesn't make sense to work the iron but you <laughs> you would have to make the decision to work the iron and then grow an opposable and thumb then have opposable thumbs. it doesn't make sense it doesn't make sense from an evolutionary it's magic standpoint. it's so magic. magic that's fine but i'm just saying from a purely like because it's like it's either not magical enough or just slightly too magical because i'm like it doesn't make sense for this format of a hand, like a paw hand, to have a thumb, it still would not be able to manipulate things the way that a human or other primate hand Especially could. Especially when they have, like, nine-inch-long claws. Yes, which that's also... They say they do. <laughs> we've researched that in the past in Animorphs, and that's pretty not accurate. But, you know, they're magical, so that I'll let it's slide. It's an alternate universe where maybe in this one Rachel lives. <laughs> they can have big old, big old claws, but I'm just like... I don't think either there needs to be, like, more of an explanation as to what the fuck is going on with their hands or, like, that needs to not be a thing. Yes. They they just need to be able to, I don't know, maybe they can be telekinetic or something. Whatever. Who cares? But the <laughs> that fact would be that they, metal. The fact that they tried to explain it as, like, they can pick things up and do metal work because they have thumbs. I'm like, no. There are several other joints that need to move in different directions <laughs> in order for this to be feasible. I don't. What if they have really weak wrists? <laughs> just, just, ugh, I didn't like it. I didn't like the, yeah. the bare weird. hands. It was weird to think about, so I didn't. I merely did not. I was like, interesting, gone from my mind. That's gross. I just <laughs> wanted polar bear. Um, so <laughs> they, they go to the bear and he's like, if you get me my armor back, I will work for you forever. So they do that. Um, Lyra like looks up on her little, uh, a golden compass and is like hey your armor is in this guy's basement so he like goes there and attacks blah 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 blah. they also meet this like texan guy named lee scoresby played by lin-manuel miranda which say. i could knock it out of my head i know uh, right would pass <laughs> <laughs> he's got a hot air balloon so they're like we need you on our side how is a texan here in i fantasy iceland with the hot air balloon I don't know. You have to read the 2008 prequel story. Nah. <laughs> I think it's called like real. One Night in the North or something like that. That sounds oh, sexual. That sounds no, like, that can't possibly that be That sounds it. really like it's going to be erotica. Yeah, there, I can't remember what the name of it is, but he did write a, a story about like Yorick and Scoresby's adventures in the I mean, Arctic. that'd be kind of fun. Yeah. That'd be, I'd read that. Um, 
Anyway, they, they continue going north with their new comrades and they get to, to try and get to this research outpost where they've learned all the kids are being kept. But along the way, Lyra's little compass tells her, you need to go to this, this village nearby and you're going to find a weird ghost. So she and she and the bear gallop over there. She rides him like a horse and they go to this village and they find Tony, who is a little, he's a young boy who has no demon, which is distressing on so many levels like Lyra is like this is wrong everything about the situation is wrong I hate it this is sad he's like clinging to a dead fish trying to find comfort from it because like especially for kids like their demon is like it it turns into whatever they need it to be in that moment Mm -hmm. in time um and they bring him back and everyone's like okay this must be what they're doing at the research outpost is they're separating children from their demons that's like heinous so we need to go kill them all. And then Tony dies because he is no longer bonded with anything. And he just like, he cannot, the shock is too much and he dies. It's sad. It's very sad. The scene where she goes to see his dead body and, oh, and someone took the someone fish, took the fish away because they off. didn't know. Oh my God. So sad. That would be my morbid moment for this book. To me. You need to reckon with him. I was like, God, tell him, Lyra, tell him. Get him. Get him. They travel for a little while longer. Lyra bonds with the bear and everyone. Everyone loves Lyra. Uh, but then there's an ambush and Lyra is captured again by like th- these. They're just like trafficking people. Like I don't I don't know if it's the same group of people that tried to get her the first time. I don't remember. But they, they grab her a, a crime of opportunity and they bring her to the gobbler outpost to get paid. Um, So this is like their whole big scientific research place here she is happily reunited with roger and billy costas they are both there um this is it's basically they're treating the children nicely but taking them one by one to go run an experiment on them and their demon and those children never return so we get a lot more info here about how they are separating children from their demons they basically put them in two separate machines and guillotine right down the middle and it was very like upsetting for a lot of the Staff members, like, they had huge turnover rates because they had to do it, like, they, they they only had recently come up with a guillotine, like, previous to this. They were literally just taking the demon, they were touching it and carrying it away from the child, which is big taboo. You're not supposed to touch anyone else's demon. And then just, like, carrying them so far that they, the bond severed itself. And it was, it's, it's, it's horrific. And, and at this point, Lyra's like, why do people hate children? Like, she literally says in the book, <laughs> why do people do bad things to children? I'm like, that's a good question, Lyra. It also does a very good job of like making this very horrific thing that has that has like absolutely no correlation on earth, right? Yes. Like yeah. it's very clear how terrible this is to the reader, even though of course we don't have Pokemon who we carry around yeah. with us at all times. Yeah. Especially the part where she finds the demons is very sad. Yes, yeah, she does. She finds some of the separated demons like floating in like glass jars like you would find like an eyeball or something in a mad scientist lab. Like they're just floating there looking real sad and she releases them all um the, the uh, one seraphina pakala's demon i think i think this is her demon yes. one a demon associated with her has come at this point because it's been watching lyra ever since she was kidnapped because like i was gonna come help you but i, I guess you're helping yourself because <laughs> witches and, demons can go really far from them yes that yes that's magic it's magic he the demon is a goose demon and it forces all the like the separated demons to turn into little birds and they're all gonna like fly away but some of them are like i can't like they're just like flopping around it's very sad mm. She also, okay, so she finds out all this information. She plans an escape for the children. 
Um, like she, she refers to her little compass and she's like, where are the Egyptians and my bear? And the thing is like, oh, like a day away. So she's like, okay, tomorrow we're escaping you guys. But guess what? Mrs. Coulter shows up that day. Ugh, dang oh, dang it. Fuck. Nicole Kidman. I know, right? Ugh. Uh, <laughs> so Lyra has discovered with the help of Roger that you can climb up into the, um, the ceiling because it just has you know like how your school had those cheap ceiling tiles they also have them here she she climbs up and is crawling around she eavesdrops uh learns learns all this information about the separation um but then she's caught because she does an audible gasp and they're like someone's in the ceiling and they get her down and and the scientists are like we have to separate her she heard too much if we separate her now she'll be in shock she won't be able to tell like uh mrs coulter won't know that we let a kid escape and listen to us like they're just trying to cover their asses basically um so they put lyra in the machine and they and they manhandle her demon into the other one and it's about to happen but then mrs coulter steps in and she's like the fuck lyra unhand her how dare you touch my assistant this way still not admitting that lyra is her daughter and lyra also was like you're not my mom i don't want to be associated with you whatever this is cool for me (laughs) yeah so mrs coulter's like i have had the entire country looking for you i've missed you so much by the way i know you have that compass can i have it and Lyra's like, no. And she pulls the fire alarm and starts like the whole escape scenario for all the kids. Uh, also, very cool. She goes to the kitchen of this research station, uh, turns on the gas stove, lights a match, throws flour everywhere, and this place <laughs> fucking explodes. <laughs> good work. That was very good. Very quick thinking, Lyra. Um, and, and and at this point, too, like, the witches are involved because the uh, Serafina Pakala's demon was like, they're doing fucked up shit. So they've, they're coming and helping, and the Egyptians and the bears show up, and they, they rescue the kids. And I forget exactly what happens, like, how, how Lyra, Roger, and the bear, and Lee all get separated from the others, but they do. It's they all, first off, the kids are separated. They meet up with everybody, but then as they meet up, Mrs. Coulter shows up and yanks Lyra away. But then the it. bear comes up behind and is like, yeets her back. And then Kid, they're don't like, Don't touch my child. Yeah. And then they're like <laughs> running to get away from Mrs. Coulter or whatever. And, and Lee I think, shows up in his balloons, like, get in. Should, yeah, hop in. And then they, the witches hop in and are like, Let's go. We got We're going to pull you to Svalbard. <laughs> yeah. Cause I think at, that point lyra's like favorable i gotta get to svalbard yeah she's like i don't know something is pulling me to svalbard um and she kind of she again she's like i think i'm supposed to give this compass to my dad but in her heart of hearts she's like no i know that's not it i don't know why but i feel compelled to go see my dad um but so the the witches are pulling this hot air balloon through the sky on a 12-hour flight but always there is trouble. They are attacked by like some cliff ghasts and some some other witches that are opposed to Serafina Pakala's group. Uh, Lyra falls out of the balloon and and uh, she kind of wanders around a little bit and sees a bear and she's like, "Oh, Yorick, I'm so happy to see you." But then he's like, "Actually, I'm a stranger bear to you." And he picks her up and takes her to Svalbard as a captive. So now Lyra is in Bear Bear Castle, Bear and- County. She she learns from another prisoner who's gone, who's been, you know, isolated for maybe a little bit too long. She finds out that the new king of the bears, Yofer, wants nothing more than to have his own demon. Like, he's working really hard to be viewed as human. He has met up with Mrs. Coulter, who has, like, lured him into thinking that this is a possible thing for him to have. 
You know that part in Jungle Book where I want to be like you, ooh, ooh. It's like uh-huh. that, but with a demon instead but of with fire. A demon. And it, and he carries around a stuffed doll that looks like Mrs. Coulter and is pretending it's it's his demon. So there was there was a whole there was a whole conversation that Lyra had with Yorick earlier, and he's like, "You can't trick a bear. Bears are better than humans. You a human cannot possibly trick a bear. It's impossible." But Lyra is like, "All right, humans can't trick bears." But humans can trick other humans, and this bear so desperately wants to be human, so she's able to trick him. Um, and she she's kind of she's referred to her compass, which didn't break in the in the fall. She refers to it, and it's like York is a day away, and he's just galloping here nonstop. So he's coming for you, girl. Don't worry. Um, so she goes she goes to Yofer, the new king of the bears, and says, "Hello, I am Yorick's demon." Um. Yeah, yeah, surprised, right? Uh, this was supposed to be a big secret. York was supposed to be the only demon because they saw how powerful York was with a demon, and uh, they shut down that whole operation. So there's not going to be any more bear demons made. But I hate York, and I love you, Yofer. I've, you know, there's no way I could have heard of you before, but I love you, and I want to be your demon so bad. But the only way I can become your demon is if you defeat York in combat, because when he is weakened, then I am able to just like drift over into your strong bear mind. And and if you kill him, then I will also die. So this is your only chance. It's like get him weak in a fight. And then I will become yours. And Yofer's like, this all checks out. This, is, He's, this all makes perfect sense. <laughs> He's like, if you're a demon, tell me who the first person I killed was. And she's like, okay, but I have to go in another room to do this because it's like secret demon confidentiality I can't break until you and I are officially bonded. Which, like, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> this is also wild because Yofer has interacted with humans with demons before. Like mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. other bears don't have demons, but he's canonically talked to many a human with demons so i don't know where he got the idea that demons are omniscient from that's not a thing that that's anything, an excellent like, question why is this his test this is very <laughs> weird it doesn't make sense uh, it, but you know what he's dumb dumb at work she's she's able to get the information from her compass and he prepares for battle with yorick and uh they do fight and uh yorick wins <laughs> And they play it off like this is going to be the betrayal that keeps being referred to. And, like, Lyra asks Yofer to, like, be able to go talk to him and, like, lull him into a false insecurity. And she's like, I'm yeah. so sorry, York. He's like, no, this is exactly what I wanted. Thanks. Yeah. He's like, girl, no, you're perfect, beautiful girl. You did child. wonderfully. If you were bare, I would I would call you my own. And then he's like, Lyra, whatever your real last name is, no. Your name is now Lyra Silvertongue because you've tricked a bear. That's a much better name. It is. <laughs> Balakwa. So, yeah. Sounds like a mermaid name. <laughs> it does a little bit. So uh, York wins. York is king of the bears again. The bears are all happy because they were like, we didn't really know what to do. Like, we were all really unsure of ourselves because we were all trying to be human. But now, like, we have a king who wants us to be bears again. So yay, bears. So this is, like, definitely a metaphor for, like, religious conversion, right? It seems like it. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Like like missionary work. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Like that's what's going on here, right? Yeah. It's like the the white bears. Or it, yeah, very much so though. Uh, so Lyra is feeling that pull again to visit her father and bring him something. Um, and and um, 
York's like, I will do anything for you, including leaving my newly won kingdom to just like pick up after itself. I'll be back soon, I guess. She and Roger, because Roger was with the bear the whole time. Blah, blah, blah. He's there. He's there in the background. Whatever. He's not going to matter that much longer, guys. She and Roger and the bear all head to Lord Azrael. And he's staying in this like really nice house in Svalbard because he's nobility. And they knock on the door and Lord Azrael's like, oh, fuck, I did not ask for you, girl. What are you doing here? And then he sees that she's brought a friend and he goes, oh, okay. Dope, 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 dope. He sends Roger to bed and he's like, all right, Lyra, let's have a conversation. Did you know dust is original sin? (laughs) Yeah. So, okay. (laughs) All right. So there's like Bible passages and stuff. I'm not well versed enough in the Bible to know if they are actual like lifted from a translation of the Bible or if there is some like creative liberty taken here with I mean there's definitely some creative without even looking at another Bible there definitely is some creative liberty since they talk about their demons that's true so like that part definitely not in the KJV (laughs) but the part about like the dust and stuff and I believe there is a passage about like from dust we shall you know whatever Yes. Yeah. So basically they're saying that like, okay, so when Eve did bite the apple, the snake was a demon and telling her to do it. And then there was the whole line about from dust and No, because the blah. snake, I mean, like, the snake was, unless you mean, like, demon, like, without the A, because Eve had. Oh, I thought they were saying that was Eve's demon. No, it wasn't, because they said that there was the snake, which still fills the same role that the snake did in Genesis, but that their demons were not fixed until they oh that's right that's right bit the apple yeah so basically like biting the apple or having sin it's all like a metaphor of like coming into knowledge and then at that point you can know who you are and your demon settles right Uh uh-huh so we see how this is going into the atheism territory it's not even Mm -hmm. actually atheism it's like anti anti anti-theism i think really is more what the because it's not saying there's not a God. It's saying that God sucks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it, yeah. So <laughs> I mean. um, essentially what, what the church is doing is they want to rid children of original sin. They want to rid the population of dust. But once you've become a, an adult and, you're, and, you're, and your demon has settled, the, the dust has settled and you can no longer remove sin from that person. Mm-hmm. So we have to we have to separate children while they're young. And then they kind of like it has been successful. Like they have done this successfully and had like the demon and the child live, but they're just like these emotionless beings that don't really like care much about what's going on around them. Um, so it's not it's obviously not a good thing. Like the church is obviously very villainous here. Yes, like, again, I you see the the reasons why the Catholic yes. Church was not a fan of this book. Yeah, yeah. It's becoming very clear. Um, and, and then Lord Asriel is like, okay, Lyra's like, this is horrific. And Lord Asriel is like, okay, yeah, maybe, but I'm going to take it a step further. (laughs) I want to go to where the dust is coming from. Yes. So there, when a child and his demon are separated from each other, there is this huge burst of energy that none of the researchers have noticed before because they've kind of associated it with these feelings of like, holy fuck, what am I doing to this child? Mm. As opposed to there being like the, um, the emotion of the moment having anything else to do. But Lord Azrael, he's smart. He's like, that's energy. I can harness that energy and use it to build a bridge between two universes because dust does come from another universe, a universe that we can see when we look into the Northern Lights, there is another city there visible in the Northern Lights. 
I want to go there and I want to eradicate dust. Cool. 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 That's a lot to drop on an 11-year-old. And she's like, here's my compass. I think I was supposed to bring this to you. And he's like, I want that. Why would you think that's the thing I want? No, keep it. (laughs) So she goes to bed. She's awoken in the middle of the night by her dad's manservant, who was like, your dad is scaring me? He took Roger and fucked off. Lyra immediately knows what Lord Asriel plans to do with Roger. Um, She summons Yorick, who was sleeping outside under the snow. They give chase. The witches show up, and they're also fighting and, and and trying to attack Lyra. Mrs. Coulter is there in a zeppelin that has a machine gun attachment. But Yorick and his little, like, entourage that have come with him, they're like, we can handle any bullets don't hurt our armor. And we also, we have this fire hurler that's going to just light that Zeppelin on fire. Miss Golder's not going to die, though. Don't worry. Anyway, all this to say. They get to a snow bridge. And Yorick's like, I'm too fat. Can't go across the bridge. Lyra's like, all right, let's, I'll go on my own. And, and she goes on foot across this bridge uh, to try and stop her dad from, from separating Roger from his demon, but she's just too late. Roger separated and, and he dies and the bridge opens between the two worlds. And here comes Mrs. Coulter. She shows up and she and Lord Asriel start making out. And their demons also kind of start making out. It's very weird vibes. Yes. Um, no, I think they were like full on fucking. Like, I, yeah. Yeah. It's like uh-huh. his Lord Asriel has a snow leopard and Mrs. Coulter has like a golden monkey. It's just, Okay. It's a very because there's also like because this is the thing a lot of times it'll cut to like looking at a demon to get some sort of internal like idea of what go- is going on in another yes. character set or whatever. So there is like this thing of like in this moment we're seeing that the monkey really does care about the leopard basically, but the leopard is just trying to use the monkey pretty much. Yes. So yeah, Lord Azrael is yeah he's he's bad news bears and. Uh, so they're making out, and Mrs. Coulter's like crying. She's like, "Let me see." And they don't know Lyra is there. She's hiding. Um, but Lord Azrael is like, "Okay, so I built this bridge. I'm going to the new universe. You can either come with me, <laughs> or you can be boring forever." It's <laughs> literally what he says. He's like, "I will find you forever boring, you dumb <laughs> bitch." <laughs> it's literally in the book. Literally, in word the book. for word. <laughs> every word i said um and she's like no my place is here like i can do the same work that we're doing like we need to have one of us on each side to continue the work and Azrael's like no you have to whatever i'm done with you you're you're boring now you're boring. And he just like leaves her and he goes into this new universe and mrs coulter leaves she's crying and lyra's lyra's demon is like listen i've been doing the math your mom bad person wants to get rid of dust your dad Worst person also wants to get rid of dust. If two bad people want to get rid of dust, that probably means it's a good thing. Maybe and dust is like, good. You right. And, and again, like, you see why the Catholic Church was not a fan of this book. Yeah, we got to keep original sin around. And uh, <laughs> the demon's like, well, I think you're the only one that's going to be able to stop them. And she's like, oh, fuck, I'm so tired. Does it really have to be me? But then she goes and follows her dad into the new universe and yeah that's where the book ends is her crossing the bridge into the new universe exciting stuff extremely exciting but yes like when she does get to the new universe it's like you you start the second book you're like who are these people i don't these, i don't know where these are people? The where's bears? the fun stuff the where witches? are the bears and the witches excuse I don't me care about david <laughs> whatever his name is fuck david anyway that's this book it was good it was good i really enjoyed it I believe the series just gets better. So looking forward to it. I'm interested to see where it goes from here. 
Yeah. And like I said, I'm sure the summary skipped over a bunch of stuff, but I think we hit all the important notes. Yeah, I feel like we did. You want to know more? Read it yourself. Read it yourself, <laughs> dummies. Or go watch the movie that wasn't watch, a very good adaptation from what I can remember. series. Yeah. Which we have no which, opinions on either way because we, we haven't read it. Lin-Manuel Miranda's in it as a Texan. <laughs> cool. So that's about it for this week. Um, next week, we'll be continuing our grab bag literary submission unit with uh, Sisters Grimm. And the week after that, we will be back to continue the gold, or not the Golden Compass. I always call it the Golden Compass series. I do which too. Is not, um, but the His Dark Material series with Book Two, The Subtle Knife. Yes, I'm excited. Um, in the meantime, if you have a suggestion for a book or a unit you would like for us to cover on the podcast, you can always tweet at us at ShelfAwareCast or email us ShelfAwareCast at gmail.com. As always, thank you to Ben Cope for the use of our theme song. You can check out his YouTube channel and our show notes below. We are also on all of your favorite podcast aggregating platforms. So if you haven't followed or subscribed to us on one of those, you definitely should. I know you're really curious about um, whether or not this whole predeterminism thing is going to is gonna uh, flesh out um, what our thoughts will be. Um, so do that. Subscribe. If you use Apple Podcasts or Spotify, we'd very much appreciate a five-star review. But if you don't, that's all right, because you are allowed to talk about us anywhere on the internet you would like. In the words of Philip Pullman, Human beings can't see anything without wanting to destroy it. That's original sin. And I'm going to destroy it. Death is going to die. <laughs> Lord Asriel is such an edgelord. I'm going to kill death. Sure, baby. <laughs> um, he's being in prison there. Guarded by Panzerbjorn, which we learn are armored bears. So Lyra's like, okay, I gotta go save my dad, I guess. I don't know what that's all about. We learn a little bit more about Dust, how it is like, it's well, basically. She doesn't know it's her dad at this point. Oh, yeah. Oh, shit. Sorry. That was. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say that. Okay. She learns that Lord Azrael's in prison in Svalbard, being guarded by Panzerbjorns, which are armored bears. And so Lyra's like, gotta go save my uncle. <laughs> Good save, good save. No one um, will ever know. No one will ever know. 